It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, it's great to be with you uh, today. Uh, spring training's around the corner. They Pitchers re- and catchers. Eight days. Now it's getting Beautiful pretty close. Words. Won't be long. You'll be on the air. They release that broadcast schedule. You'll be down there doing those games. Driving from various sites to various sites, <laughs> taking a tour. Mark your calendars. For the 24th of February, it's it's early this year. Opening day is the 28th of March. So. How many times you get to drive by Yeehaw Junction this year? <laughs> I, I've got them down to home games. <laughs> For the most part. Oh, boy. But, yeah, that's uh, on the road. But, anyway, uh, right out of the gate, we got a special guest today. Uh, Reese Who will Olson. be reporting yes. eight days from now. Pitchers uh, and catchers report. Reese, how Reese are you? Olson, who uh, did a terrific job. Oops, we lo- there we go. We got him, Reese Olson. How you doing, Reese? Good. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Um, last year, you know, I think you came up and uh, you shocked a lot of people who were like, "Well, who's Reese Olson?" I think everybody in this town now knows who Reese Olson is. Uh, what uh, came into in, in, emerged for you to become a quality major league pitcher like you were last year? Uh, you know, I think it was just you know getting up there, getting comfortable. Um, seeing that I could have success if I just made pitches. Um, I think learning throughout the year uh, what kind of made me go and um, what what my kind of cues were to, to help me be successful. Um, looking to build off that, obviously still got a lot to learn. I'm excited to get going. When you got done with the season, Reese, I mean, I, I think of your arc over the course of the year. You had shingles in spring training. You get bumped up to AAA, and, and it's it's rough at the beginning, but you hadn't had much of a spring training. And then you really put together two good starts. The Tigers needed you in June. You come up, you make two terrific starts, and I'm counting it as a start even though it was the second inning. You had an opener in Philadelphia, but on the road in Chicago, in Philadelphia. And then there were some ups and downs, but the finish was particularly strong. As you look back on that season, I mean – what what were kind of your impressions of like, hey, this was pretty good. Did you allow yourself that satisfaction of all that you accomplished in your rookie season? Yeah, I think uh, I, I was very happy with how it went last year. I think one of the um, the biggest things I was proud of, like you talked about, I struggled in um, in AAA for you know almost two months, and I was able to get through that and um, figure out how to get through that and what worked for me. And uh, so when I did have those ups and downs in, in the big leagues, it wasn't an extended period of time, you know. It was kind of learning, um, learning on the go, and and using what I what I learned in AAA to um, to help me get through those those periods in the season. But um, you know, like I said, obviously very happy. I um, finished up really strong. Um, you know, looking forward to to build off that and uh, sharpen everything up. There's so many learning moments for a rookie pitcher. I just wanted to touch on one because it led to that big finish that you just mentioned. It was a start against the Cubs in in August. And you felt like you had your best stuff. I mean, command of it, good fastball, which, by the way, was very good all season long. But you gave up six runs and four and two-thirds. The final line didn't really reflect how you felt and how you pitched. There were some bad breaks. But what, but what you took out of that, I remember, I went back and looked at the quotes. You were talking about, 
I have to make sure that when I get ahead 0-1-0-2, I'm finishing these guys off, and I didn't in this game. Did that kind of propel you to what happened next, which was 36 innings with a 150 ERA? Yeah, I think that's kind of been one of my big things um, for my whole life pitching, you know, trying to trying to do too much, as they said, you know, trying to make my stuff um, move more or throw my fastball harder, you know, when I don't need to do all that. And if I just trust myself, stay within myself, I know um, I know that I, it's good enough stuff. So I just have to keep that in mind when I'm out there. And that was one of my big things, um, you know, just telling myself to kind of slow down when I'm out there on the mound. Uh, you've, you're from Georgia, and uh, it's become one of the kind of hotbeds of baseball now. Uh, a lot of top prospects. Uh, Parker Meadows is from there. There's a lot of top players coming out of that area. But you signed out of high school. It was a 13th yeah. round pick. Um, I assume colleges were looking at you. Uh, wh- why did you sign, and uh, did it turn out to be the, the right decision for you? Right, yeah, I was um, I was committed to Georgia Tech, supposed to go to Georgia Tech, and obviously I was very excited to go there. Um, great school. Um, was looking forward to a, to a few years there, but I think I, I definitely made the right decision. You know, um, looking back, uh, going going to college, you never know what could have happened. So I, I kind of viewed it at the time of, um, you know, I had a chance to go and play pro ball, do something that I that I did um, that I wanted to do my whole life. So uh, I, I just took that chance, and um, I'm happy I did, and I'm glad I worked out the way it did. And, uh, you know, people, as far as your background is concerned, uh, you were acquired in a trade for Daniel Norris in 2021. Right. Still one of the great steals ever. <laughs> well, you know, well, Daniel he, was pretty popular around here when he, he played. Was. He was, and a good guy. But uh got you in 2021 in a trade. And the one thing that's noticeable, looking at your career track, you did okay your first two years out. Then you had the pandemic year, and you didn't get a chance to pitch. And it seemed like uh, a light bulb kind of went off for you in 2021 and things started to take shape, especially after the trade. Right. Yeah. I used, I definitely, uh, I definitely did struggle my first few years in pro ball. Kind of had to learn uh, how to pitch a little bit instead of, you know, facing the high schoolers. You can kind of, when you throw 90 plus, you can kind of just blow it by them. (laughs) I had to learn to learn how to pitch a little bit. Um, But I definitely, I definitely used that time during COVID in 2020. Um, to get stronger, to get a lot better. Um, and that's when I added my slider, which last year turned out to be my best pitch. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the combination of getting stronger, getting older, um, learning how to pitch a little bit more, and, and adding that slider was, was what kind of had uh, caused that jump. Do the, do the, the, we talk a lot about this Tigers pitching staff, this entire coaching staff, but the pitching staff for you, it's a great blend of you've got – Juan Nieves, who's got the major league experience. You've got Robin Lund, the kinesiology professor, who really, I think, taught you guys a lot this year about how to use your bodies and how he can use the data to help you move your most efficiently. Chris Fetter leads the department with just his belief in the kinetic chain, but also the mental side of the sport. What were some of the things that they sent you into the offseason? Was there kind of a to-do list? In other words, how are you preparing for this year that might be different from how you prepared to get ready for AAA last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had a great time working with uh, with Seth, Robin, and Juan. Um, they're obviously great pitching coaches, and they helped me with a ton of anything I had. Um, it was a quick answer. They helped me. They helped me through a lot of mechanical, you know, pitch-shaped stuff. But, um, you know, Coming into this offseason, it was that there's nothing really um, pitch shapes wise to uh, to really mess with because I feel like I finished up last year and all my pitch shapes were in a pretty good spot. So 
they just sent me home with kind of um, keep doing what I was doing at the end of the year, um, get stronger, get healthier, uh, get, you know, it, for me, it's just one of those things. Um, commanding the ball is, is something I obviously still need to get better at. Um, and that, that plays a part. And like you said, or like we talked about earlier with, uh, you know, trying to do too much, um, just, just the command at the beginning of the count, the end of the count, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I've really been trying to, to hammer home this off season. I, I remember you telling me during the season last year, you knew that you had to get stronger. And I think you, you, you did during the season, which was kind of impressive because the thing that I found so impressive was your fastball velocity stuck. I mean, it, it held all season long. And that had to be a reflection of the work you were putting in. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm proud of that. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad I was able to do that. And hopefully, I'm able to continue to do that. I want to be um, one of those guys who's able to, you know, obviously make 30 starts a year and and maintain what I have um, opening day throughout the entire year. So, um, yeah, I'm really I'm really happy with that. I think, you know, just the grind in in between starts, you know, working out, make sure you get your work in, your your recovery stuff in, your workout in. Uh, hammering that home with our strength guys. Um, that was what was able to help me do that. Uh, it seemed like you were prepared for the major leagues from a, an emotional standpoint. Uh, it wasn't like you exactly exuded a lot of nerves out there when you pitched. I mean, it was kind of obvious you were, at least you appeared confident. Were you actually as confident as you appeared? <laughs> yeah, it's weird to say I, I didn't really have too many nerves, which I know that's going to sound weird, but um, – the only time I really had nerves was was running out there for the first first pitch. But after I threw that first warm up pitch, it all was kind of kind of normal to me. You know, it just felt like any other game. So I know that's going to sound weird, but um, I'm thankful I was able to to react so well to it. You know, and what's with the uh, you know you mentioned you got that uh, you know slider, your breaking ball. You have good velocity. You have a pretty good command, like mound presence, which you just talked about. But your breaking ball is the one that everybody talks about. Uh, how much has that been a work in progress? And are you trying to develop another pitch to go along with the fastball in the in the great breaking ball? No, I um, you know I, I think I was just blessed being able to spin the ball. Um, so I think leaning uh, on that pitch last year, learning uh, learning how to command it a little bit more, that was what led to that success. But I think. Up until last year, my changeup had been my best pitch my my entire career. I kind of lost it for a little while there for a few starts um, when I was up in the big leagues, and that was a few of those up and downs that we talked about earlier was was because I didn't really have feel in my changeup. But uh, I found that towards the end of the year, and that was a pitch another pitch I can lean on. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to add anything. I've got five pitches that I'm confident to throw whenever, so I'm just going to keep keep sharpening those up. We're talking with Tigers starting pitcher Reese Olson. Reese, we've talked a lot about him, certainly with the signing of Colt Keith before he ever gets a major league at bat. That kind of, I think, excited a lot of fans last week because it just shows you how much talent that we're building in terms of the position player, that core that the Tigers are building on the position player side. Well, it's very much the same, it feels like, on the pitching side. I mean, you look at this rotation, it could have Scooble, Mize is coming back, Matt Manning, yourself, all young. The bullpen has Lang and Foley and Vest and Holden and Brisky, who who knows, could be a starter, Gibson Long, Fajardo. I mean, that's a list, that's a real core of young pitchers you're going to add some veteran presence, which I think will be very helpful in Flirty and Maeda. But can you just talk about how, because it, it's always interesting to hear that learning that goes on when players interact with each other, come up as a core, and it can lead to great things beyond what might be there on paper. 
Right. I mean, when you have when you have that clubhouse, that clubhouse full of guys that are just close and, and can have a good time, it makes playing on the field easier, right? So, um, I think last year, growing closer to those guys who I hadn't really been been around much, they they were up a little bit um, before me. Uh, but I think growing close to them last year and getting more comfortable around them, we have everyone in the clubhouse, you know, joking around, um, keeping everything easy every day, makes it easier to perform when you go out there. And like you talked about. Um, those, those veteran guys last year, they helped me a ton, you know, with Eduardo, um, Michael Lorenz, and Matt Boyd. They helped me a ton throughout the season um, throughout the season last year, and I'm thankful for them. And I'm looking forward to, um, you know, meeting the two new guys we signed this year and, and learning from them as well. Well, Reese, you had a terrific year last year, and uh, you can only see bigger and better things for you. What are you, 24 years old, uh, already coming into your own. So uh, good luck the coming year, and uh, great talking to you. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Reese. There you go. It's Reese Olson. Pitchers and catchers report on February 14th. You know, I'm disappointed. The, the first game you broadcast isn't from Lakeland, though, right? No, first one's Lakeland, and then the next oh, day I get to make the road trip to Port Charlotte. I know. It's very fun. I've been to Port Charlotte. <laughs> when I went to Port Charlotte, that stadium was, like, literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, when it's it was, pretty built up now. Yeah, now, man. Back then it was like, wow, I'm traveling to Florida's version of Tibet. Um, it's exciting. I mean, it really is. And, it is. It and is. Reese Olson. I mean, just, just after that Cubs game, real quickly. I know we have to get to break, but I mean, look at what he did in the finish. Thirty-six right. innings. Oh, he's great. In those thirty-six innings, he gave up eighteen hits. Well, Dan, I've been one, reading the projections. You know, you know he's going to go like five. Oh, don't and get six me started on projections. Up. Don't so, get me started. Uh, no, coming up next, <laughs> we're going to put this out to you as callers, okay, listeners. Um, who's the biggest X factor? for the Tigers in 2024. What one? One player. They got a number of players that could be X-Factors. We just talked to one of them, actually. Yes. His upside's a little higher than most people, I think, around the game think. But uh, what's your one X-Factor? Dan and I will answer that. And Dan will have a little diatribe about projections. Because <laughs> the projections, honestly, you think all these Tiger players, none of them are going to be better this year than they were last year. And it seems like they're actually – at an age where they would improve in an experience level. So we'll talk about that as well. The phone number is 248-539-9797. And you're listening to Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Torque kind of put the rest. Uh, you know, I used to say, well, he never hits a fastball. <laughs> Uh, last year, he started smoking <laughs> fastballs to the point where they started pitching him. You did. You were like, you know, he hasn't hit any, anything over 95. I'm like, come on. I've seen him not hit anything over like 92. Uh, yeah, you were complaining. I'm then like, he, I, believe me, one. you can't get to be a 1-1 without hitting a 95-mile-an-hour fast. And you, know, and you know what he did it? First home run of the year, Ryan Stanek, right. 98. 98. Or 99, was it, was inner it, half. Yeah, yeah. And he put it by the train tracks in Houston. Right, yeah. He uh, he started, <laughs> like, he, bombed, oh, he bombed a few. And I that, almost called you. I know. I was, <laughs> did you see that one? Yeah, I said, Dan, it took two and a half. I, you know, honestly, I thought he would adjust faster. He just hadn't seen those pitches. And I know this about uh, Spencer Torkelson just on this. And you saw it. If he, his bat speed speeds up a little bit and he gets a cutter, he, he hits that thing like 400 feet, man. And uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of folks, and I'm looking at these projections, you know, I looked at the uh, Zips one, you know, which uh, Zips. I was kind of looking Steamer. at. What yeah. else we got? <laughs> I don't know. Baseball perspectives. There's a number of them. Baseball Reference has one. Uh, it, it, it said that uh, Torque would hit 31 home runs this year. Uh, I think he'll hit more than that if he stays healthy. I mean, 
he it seemed he seemed to get it down last year a little bit there. He was a very different player by the end of the year than what he had been throughout the first couple months of the year and the year before. Yeah. Light bulb went off, he made some adjustments. I think he you know, he just now it's like he's just playing ball again. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking at the different projections. Zips, steamer. Steamer. ATC, the bat, the bat X. FGDC, I'm not even sure what all these are. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot they of them. They all tend to be pretty much the same. Yeah. And it's true with any projection. Bill James' handbook, which it sadly has gone out of print now, the projections were, you know, but it's, I mean, it's it's the nature of projections. You're, you're running all these simulations. You're putting in these inputs. What well, to me, the problem I have with, and projecting war, by the way, for, forget it. It's a... To me, that's a fool's errand, trying to project war. But you see projections of, of team wins. I mean, what was it last or last year? It was based, basically off the year before. 68, I think, was the number. Right. Tigers had won 66 the year before. They win 78. What's the projection this year? 78 and a half. And so it's it, it just, I don't know, it doesn't ever take into account a team like the San Francisco Giants a few years ago. They were projected to win 78 to 80. When they won 107. 107. And you just can't. There's so much randomness over the course of a season. And that's why players' numbers are going to go up and down. It's never going to be 41-20 for the great players every single year, unless you're Miguel Cabrera. I mean, you're going to go up and down because there's so much randomness. But to, I mean, you add a veteran who suddenly sparks something in a player, and suddenly that player goes off. To me, they don't, they can't predict the outlier. They can't predict when all the pieces are going to suddenly come together for a young team, especially. Oh, you've seen and that's it with what this Baltimore Tigers team and Arizona is. here recently. It's just the most yeah. likely outcome based right. on millions of seasons run with a computer. So, I don't know. I, I just don't look at them. I think we can all make a, probably a pretty accurate, I mean, to project 30 home runs for Spencer Torkelson, okay. I want to see the guy accurately predicts 40. Well, <laughs> one of the reasons I brought this up, we were talking about it and you and I, we'd sit here uh, literally and talk for 20 hours about this stuff. So, we, you know, we got an hour-long show. But I told you, I said, look, you know, I looked at that Zips thing. And I'm nothing against the guy that does the Zips thing, even if he used to they throw do good me work. On Everybody's doing good work yeah, on that stuff. I, I, don't, I just don't tend to look at them. Uh, but anyway, just on this front, I just looked at it and said, uh, Parker Meadows, you know, uh, he's, you know, some long lines that his war would be like 1.7 or something like that. And but if he was a regular and he hit uh, you know two forty or I forget exactly what I'm paraphrasing on it, I don't, and I don't even know where I read it. I think it was ESPN.com or something. I read so much of this stuff; it all kind of blends together sometimes. But anyway, just on the projections, and I'm thinking to myself, look, if you watch Parker Meadows play, all right, and finally some people are putting him in their top hundred because they realize he's still eligible for Rookie of the Year. If you watch Parker Meadows play the last year or two, and going back maybe two years, he's a completely different player than what he was when he signed. You know, he's 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 coordinated now. He's faster. He's grown stronger. 
Uh, he's developed as a hitter, and he's beyond, you know, just an ordinary center fielder. All right, you know he, you know people say, well, Kevin Kiermaier was a pretty good center fielder. No, he, Kevin Kiermaier has been the best, best center, center fielder, fielder right? by far for don't ten be, years. Don't be surprised if Parker Meadows ends up in that category. His WAR in a short period of time was actually pretty good because of his defense, and he runs in the top ten percentile of major league players. I mean, I, I, how and many he knows players? how to use his speed? Some guys are fast. Up there in the 90th percentile, they don't know how to use his speed right. yet. And Parker Meadows does. And, I, and I, I talked to you about this. I know in the past I said, watching Parker Meadows go from first to third is baseball it's a, beauty. It's a thing of beauty, no question. I mean, it's like he takes six strides. Okay, <laughs> so you can't come up with any kind of projection. So I'll look at it this way. The Tigers, Comerica Barts is still spacious. Uh Green can play either corner outfield above average. There's no question. Uh, Carpenter has decent tools, and you know Canna is a, a major league regular outfielder. If Parker Meadows hits reasonably well, and I believe he will, I think he's a huge X factor for the Tigers. He's a unicorn player. There, there's maybe five like him in baseball. That's not an exaggeration. I don't expect him to hit like Christian Yelich and some of the other. Uh, you know, projections people make because he's got the same build and all mm-hmm. that. But I, I, I think he'll hit, and I, and I think he's going to be a big factor for the Tigers this year. I think it's a great X factor. So and that's Ke- my X factor. All right. And I like the Kevin – I just wanted to spend a minute on this because the, the Kevin Kiermeyer uh, comparison is apt because, again, Sounds Kevin Kiermeyer in his career – and I know defensive numbers, we can argue about that. But defensive run saved is certainly a good place to start. Kevin Kiermaier is oh, plus 165 in his career. He was plus 18 last year as a center fielder, a position for the young in center field for Toronto. Plus 18 at age 33, which is ridiculous. He's been an average hitter to a below average hitter most of his career. OPS plus for his career is 98, just below average. 35 career war, which again, not a be-all, end-all stat, but it certainly tells you this is a very valuable player. If you hit a little and you play center field at a premium level, which I believe Parker Meadows did in six weeks with the Tigers and will for the foreseeable future, that's a really valuable player. It's a great X factor. And he, he did that in the minor leagues the last couple of years. He went from uh, somebody who looked like a, I use the analogy, like a foal <laughs> that comes cold. out, yeah, you know, and <laughs> his gangly. legs were super long and gangly. <laughs> and Green was actually the better center fielder of the two when they played Early. together in West Michigan. Yeah. yeah. He would take b- bad routes and he would do, but he's filled into his body, uh, you know, in terms of strength and coordination. And everything's come together with him where he is extraordinarily athletic and gets good jumps on the ball. Uh, so. And so I don't. I don't think people nationally know that about him. You know, I think he's kind of a late bloomer in their mind. They give up on these kids when they're 21 years old. Somebody like him, he they struggled. would just be coming out of. Yeah, he, he struggled did. for a few years. You know, but he's he's pretty damn good now. You want you want to hear my X factor, or should we get to the phones first? Uh, well, actually, we gotta come back and get to the phones okay. coming up next. All right, and and we'll get to my X factor. We'll get to I'm, your I'm X picking factor. Two, I'm cheating. You, oh, man, you, you're doing the – not going to be like Paul Woods on the three stars when the Wings win, and it's like 10 Does he pick them. four? <laughs> I like that. Yes. Way to go, Woodsy. Well, matter of fact, one Way night – Way to go, Woodsy. Matter of fact, night, one night, Woodsy said, just one number one star tonight. 
You know, when Alex Lyon had like 41 saves to goalie. Uh, this is <laughs> Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. Yeah, it probably took him about uh, 3.5 seconds. I was going to say, what's his time from home to third? <laughs> he went in standing up, you notice. I mean, just flew. Well, they uh, they logged that. You know, of course, they you know they got the uh, you know the uh, Doppler radar technology, gets it to right. the nth degree, and he didn't have that many what they call competitive runs on the stack cast, and he was still in the top 10%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't they, I mean, when uh, – with Cincinnati, when Ellie De La Cruz came up, didn't they say he went first to third? Like, oh, fashion anybody had all year when he debuted? He hit the hardest ball that anybody hit? I mean, he did like three things in one game in his debut. They were like, who is this guy? See, I, I don't think people realize, too, if you're in the top ten, how fast you are. Like, you know, like somebody like Verlene who's in there, Badu. Uh, some of the Tigers. Tigers have a lot more foot speed uh, than they used to. They're much more athletic. But to give you an idea, the uh, guy who had the fastest, I believe, competitive run last year uh, was Bubba Trammell. And you say, well, it was Bubba Trammell. Bubba Trammell was like a four-star recruit. Not Bubba Trammell, Bubba Bubba Thompson. (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, Bubba Thompson. We saw him debut in Texas in 2022. Right. Oh. You I'm sorry, stop I meant Bubba Thompson. I get, get like, mixed Bubba up with the old... Bubba Trammell's back? No, I yeah, the old Tiger. I think he was fast. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really in relation to Allen. But uh, no, uh, Bubba Thompson. And Bubba Thompson's a four-star quarterback recruit. Could have gone to Alabama to play quarterback. Uh, Mississippi State, the SEC teams all wanted him. And uh, he's, you know, absolutely... I think he had 49 out of 52 bags stealing... You know, in the minor leagues, yeah. didn't that, he came up and you're like, oh, I guess that new rule of limited throws over in the minor leagues is going to have an impact. Yeah. 49 for 52. 49 for 52. But he's he's genuinely fast. Uh, Jeff, you're on uh, Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Afternoon, gentlemen. Yes. Love your show, man. Thanks for calling. You guys break down baseball as good as it gets. I'm 60 years old, 50-year Tiger fan, and I'm telling you, <laughs> Torque has got to step up this year. They drafted him where they drafted him because they knew where Miggy was going. A big bat, a big first baseman. If if Torque doesn't get 30-plus and 100 ribbies, I don't care about Carpenter, Green, Keith, any of them. We need a big bat and a big presence in the lineup, man. It's his year. Wait, why don't you care about any of the other ones? I mean, that if, if he's going to get to 30, it would certainly help to have something around him. Well, but, yeah, I do care about them, but <laughs> the, I'm talking about the main player okay. on the stage. So he's not it's your – time it, to step up. All right, so it's he – It's time to step up. All right, he was at 3194 last year. So you, you, you'd you be happy, basically, if he added six RBIs. Close. Yeah. I, I I get it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We no, we've I... got a core we've got a core. The reason they drafted him is because they knew Miggy's contract is over and now we need a new that, Miggy. That is, and that I mean why they drafted him. It wasn't because Miggy's contract is over, uh, Jeff. They drafted him because he was a consensus one one pick. There were some True. you know, I yeah. I talked about Austin Murphy, a guy who has had no impact. Uh, some others, but uh, Torkelson, uh, the scout after scout that I talked to, and baseball people, uh, he just powdered the ball at an un, un, uh, unprecedented pace. Yeah, he at was Arizona consensus. State. It was 
quite clear. Yeah, it was it was pretty clear. I think by the time there were other players, you know, you could maybe pick at and say that they could have taken, but uh, you know, Torkelson was a consensus guy. The, the question was, you know, how what what was he? I, I didn't understand honestly to this day what the Tigers were thinking when they said he was going to be a third baseman. <laughs> to the, you know, when they announced Boy. that, I thought, man, that's the biggest mess-up. There's no mess right-handed up. hitting first baseman had ever been drafted 1-1, right? Yeah, they were know. nervous about that. So, But he uh, is somebody that, uh, you know, I think is going to uh, – I think he, he – he, what he did the second half – He's going to 40. Yeah, I think he's capable. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I mean, I, you know, he, he could actually fall back a little bit. I don't think that's going to happen. I but, I mean, that so wouldn't either. be – unusual, but this is a 40 home run guy. This is a guy that's going to hit with as many home runs probably in the next 10 years as, you know, maybe anybody, right. right. You know, he's a guy that's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's a very dedicated player. He grinds through things. You know, you know, what I like about him more than anything else. Yeah, He doesn't take days off period. Doesn't matter. All that stuff that he went through, you know, which was utterly difficult. You're the one one and you're hitting like, you know, 150 or something. And every day, you know, every at-bat, you could tell. You know, if you watch the game long enough, and I think I've seen enough, when the guy's really putting his mind into his at-bat and not being flinching about the moment, which is almost impossible in the circumstance he was in, grind, grind, grind. Yep. This dude was unrelenting, and when it, when it popped, you know, I mean, it really popped. Right. It was late June when he got going. When he got going, he really got going. So and, that was a lot of grinding. <laughs> and his metrics are only down because of one thing. He can't go right on ground balls. Yeah, you know, that was the one thing that, you know, but I guarantee you he's going to be better. And he, we talked to him no a question. couple weeks ago. He said, look, I got lazy because of the uh, shift. He said, you know, I stopped playing it like I'd always played the position. And we saw in the second half, even though I know the errors piled up, we did see him going to his right, further to his right, as the year went on. That's a good point. I mean, that the shift does take away that. Right, so he, you know, uh, Spencer Torkelson, uh, that, I think he's a player that's going to emerge potentially as a star this year. And if Riley Green is healthy, Riley Green could emerge as a star this year. Andrew, you're on Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Hi, guys. Hey. Um, How are we doing tonight? Good, how are you? Good. Um, I just wanted to say my X Factor player for the year would be Kerry Carpenter. He has extreme power, and the Tigers were lacking that for the better part of the last, I don't know, five years. They don't hit very many home runs, and Kerry Carpenter is just coming into his own as a player, I thought, last year. And um, he's a very good player and a sneaky player in spring training, I would say. Adius Leonard, the shortstop that we acquired via waivers in the middle of the year last year. I thought he had a great showing in AAA and kind of similar to Colt Keith, honestly. Well, yeah. Uh, I, uh, He's starting to show up on a few a few little players to watch, you know, kind of an outside pick. To, it's not a bad pick. It's up Baseball America, and I'm rated 29th. I'm going, that's the 29th best prospect in their organization. The Tigers will win the World Series in the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, underrated acquisition by... Uh, Solid numbers at Toledo when he got bumped up. 
It's real sad. Well, I think it's very – I'm sorry to cut you off. I think it's very interesting that he's the second youngest player on their 40-man roster, and he, he's a quality at bat every every time out. It's, it seems like he walks at a good clip, strikes out at a low clip, hits for power. Can well, play the middle oddly, field, the knock on him is that he's a free swinger and didn't fit the M.O. of their strike zone discipline. But, again, uh, they've been very good at uh, getting the message through to a lot of their prospects. And look what he did when he went to Toledo. 17 walks, 170 plate appearance, solid 10% walk rate. Yeah, and it was he, up. he's got bad speed. You know, it's one thing he has. He's got tools. And he, he's played shortstop, so he can't be – and the Dodgers wanted to keep him on the 40-man roster. They just didn't have space for him. Yeah, so, another, another one of those position-flexible guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look what they're doing out there. What what they're doing out there, I can't even believe in L.A. compared to it's, it's, know, it's all insane. the money they're spending. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> for all of the money they spend on payroll, everybody, their player development is held in very high regard because it's simply one of the best, along with Tampa Bay. Yeah, and considering how much money they spend, you know, the Tigers gave him cash for Eddie's Leonard. <laughs> How about that one? Tigers yeah. get a little bit of cash. Just light the load on that Otani sign. <laughs> Who's your X factor? All right, my X fa- factors. I'm cheating. Sorry, because I wanted to go with Casey Mize. Because I don't know. Maybe I'm overly influenced by the bullpen I watched last August when he. Remember, he had a little setback shortly thereafter. But just watching a bullpen and watch him get bigger and stronger. He had like 20 pounds. He said. With same body fat, he got stronger. He didn't just add weight. Did it the right way. And that bullpen, when he was throwing 95 with a splitter, talked to Juan Davis after. I mean, it was it was really impressive stuff. But coming down that hill with the stronger legs, I just think this is a guy who's going to be, what, 18-plus months out from Tommy John. They're not going to, I don't think, baby him during spring training. I think they're going to build him up as a normal starter, right. normal progression, and he's going to start the year in the rotation if all goes well. There can always be setbacks, but I think his setbacks were last September. <laughs> and so I think he's going to have a terrific year. I don't know what the innings pitched is. I still think he can get to 150, 160. Right. I really believe that because they they monitor these things. They're going to they're going to measure things. They're going to watch him very carefully. So he could be a huge X factor to me. And then I want to mention Riley Green. It's like, well, that's not really an X factor, but I just want to review what Riley Green did from May and then he got injured, and then he came back right up until mid-August, and he struggled for a couple of weeks before the Tommy John surgery. And he got injured, so a couple of weeks of struggle. But for 240 trips to the plate, 240 plate appearances, he put together a slash line of 346, 404, 571. That was power. That was doubles power. That was home run right. power in 217 at-bats. That was a good walk rate. There aren't many players... Tiger players, not named Miguel Cabrera, who put together a line like that over the course of 240 plate appearances in recent years. That's the upside of Riley Green. I know there's a high batting average on balls in play, but I'm telling you, this kid's got serious bats of ball skills, and that's why they had, what, not even 400 plate appearances from Riley last year? Or just over 400? He's an X-factor because 600 plate appearances with that kind of upside excites me. And he, he can lift the ball and hit it with power. He just it hasn't shown to the degree that it's going to be. Right. You know, he he's just scratching the surface. He just needs to play a full season. And uh, I think you'll see Riley Green be the type of player that's just man, one of those guys that you're just gonna every you know, 
like every time he comes up, he's the guy you want to have up in the clutch situation. If a ball goes up in a key time of the game and he's out in the outfield, he's the guy you want chasing yep. it because you know he's going to do what he has to do to get it. So I, big Riley Green guy. Gotta, well, you know that because I told you he's the best prospect I had seen of a position player that they've had all these years, and I, and I still believe that. You know, we'll see. Maybe some of these other guys will, will change it. You know, right. there's a couple of them that are pretty good down in their system. But uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about their system coming up next. This is Tiger Talk on 97.1, the ticket. AM uh, call, you sound a little bit like Red Barber or Ernie Harwell or something <laughs> on those calls. On AM, I listen to him. Hey, Dan, I'm listening, and we'll get to be like the I eighth I know, we've got at least one loyal listener. That's right, and uh, you know, <laughs> no, when you're scoring. My wife, Lorianne, is always listening. Yeah, I've always, you know, I pop it out. I like it at late innings, man. It's kind of like one of those unique baseball things where you start looking at your score sheet, and you can't tell what's going on, like, because, you know, and, oh, we don't have a number on my this guy. My only job from innings really five on because all the regulars are gone after the fifth inning is to figure out who's at second base, not who's on second, who's at second, please. Can you give me 99? I know it's 99, but who who is really, – that's our, that's our only job, figuring out who is where for the last three innings of every game. I don't know. For some reason, it's especially <laughs> special when you go to Clearwater because I know what that drive is like over the causeway to get to that stadium. And I've beautiful been, drive. Beautiful over. drive. You can't get back. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you get might to as well see, just stay and have dinner. Yeah, you get, a, you get a lot of that drive there. You get to see the scenic part as you go slowly over the causeway. So uh, I don't know. There's a carpenter complex, you know, which uh, is a cool place. Um, but uh, and I'll tell you this, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because we're going to wonder what Cole Keith does this spring. You know, he just signed that nice contract. You're going to wonder. You see Justin Henry Malloy a little more. You're going to wonder when you see Ty Madden get a, a timeout or two, uh, how he's going to do. Some of these top prospects. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to Dylan about. Dingler in camp. And right. I'm curious about Wilmer Flores because the stuff that's fell right. off last year, and by the end of the year, supposedly it was it was better. I don't mention him enough. You know, that's another one on the uh, list he used to mention a lot. But you know, if somebody right. doesn't do that well, right? Somebody you, passes him by. Yeah, in this organization right now. And, and you're right. It is fun to see in camp. I mean, the guys who some are far away, some are. A lot of the guys that we're going to see in terms of top prospects are close, are really close. And even to see a Jackson Job in spring training is fun. Yeah, well, Remember Matt Manning a couple of years ago? he was I think it was in the Florida Southern game, but he was throwing 98 right out of the gate. It was like, oh, this is what the future holds. So it, it is fun, and there are quite a few top prospects who are going to be in camp that I'm sure we will see a lot of. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of you're going to see, and it's going to be a lot of fun this spring. And it's going to be somewhat meaningful. You know, spring training baseball can be misleading, as we all know. But it's you know you're going to see uh, some different things. You know, it'll be interesting. I wonder if Max Clark. Well, and that's will the pop up I, one day. I was just going to mention the other beauty is you, you've always got kids coming over from Tiger Town. They get the invite because of either how they're playing or because they, they just want to give them a little taste of what major league action looks like in spring training. Yes, I, I there's a pretty good chance you would think that Max Clark gets one of those little invites to come over day of the game to uh, play in a major league game. So it's always a lot of fun. Uh, Tigers minor league system is getting a lot of kudos here lately. 
uh, every uh, uh, organization that does the national things, uh, more and more is putting them up there. They've been as high as three. Uh, everybody's top ten. And uh, you're seeing some of their players. And I, I can tell who's been paying a little bit more attention to them because these are the guys that I watch and follow. And sometimes they write things about them that don't make a lot of sense. A lot of the things they're writing right now have been – they've watched them a little bit. You know, particularly Job, uh, sports, or, uh, ESPN had Job at uh, 10 overall in their prospects. And that's where he belongs. Uh, and others, as high as we've seen in anywhere, right? Right. And everybody's had him in there like the top 20, but – He's clearly a top 10 prospect uh, if you research it. So people have done a little bit. I think even Keith Law, the uh, Harvard Eat. Keith uh, Law, who hates the Harvard Tigers. Harvard grad foodie. He's hated the Tigers forever. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hilarious. He actually said nice things about the Tigers. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this the Keith Law? Come yeah, on. Yeah, you know, he should be on the Food Network. I always like it. He's a Harvard grad and a foodie. You know, I always give on him because he, he trolled me on because of the, the Hall of Fame vote when he didn't have a Hall of Fame vote. He's like, yeah, you don't understand metrics. I mean, like, who are you talking to, man? You don't even know me. Uh, I like how Kylie McDaniel does it for ESPN. Right, he does a good job. He does job. future value. And again, these are it's a good way to do it. It's like, okay, we, we know the systems that have the most top prospects, but how about the ones that have the most depth? And he tries to do it by future value based on the research of Craig Edwards, uh, who now works for the MLB Players Association, talking about trying to project dollar values based on these right. projections. That's a good way to do it. And the Tigers rank third in future value for him up from 20th last, last year. year. That that catches your eye. Well, the other thing, too, <laughs> and I, I will say this, just it's just my opinion, but I, I used to do this type of thing uh, for Baseball America, at least with the Tigers. Uh, that is the best one that I've seen this year with the best evaluations of the Tigers player. He also put Parker Meadows in there. You know, he didn't ignore that. And uh, the things that he's written about the the Tigers were pretty accurate as, you know, I see it. So that was the best one. And Keith Law, actually, you know, I make fun of Keith Law all the time. But uh, to be honest with you, his was pretty good this year, too. He he does his homework. Yeah, I he mean, does. I may disagree with him. I kind of make fun of how he's treated the Tigers. But he does his freaking homework. Well, you know. But you know it, what? I, I, let's face it. Every organization, it's nice to have six prospects in the top 100. But every organization values their guys differently. The, the, the important thing is, you know, how do they evaluate? How are they making those guys better? And so it's it's very much there's art and science to it. But I guarantee you the Tigers look at some of these and go, no, they're, they're completely missing on these two guys. And they're, they're I mean, the good organizations are very realistic about it. Right. And so I think the Tigers, this is this is where the projection systems and the, the systems that try to rank system, uh, farm systems miss out how how good is how good are the tigers doing under ryan garko and the new guys they've added the last two years in developing the talent they have that's the next edge to me in baseball well they've been and doing, doing a, a good really job good job so and reese olsen is one of the great examples of that there's all there's all kinds of them all really. kinds of them all, yeah, up and down the list up yeah. and down the list uh tigers farm system is getting kudos it deserves if they weren't i would tell you you know, I'm not saying, but well, uh, you're pretty honest. Yeah, I'm very honest. I don't know. Brutally I'm not gonna, honest. Yeah, brutal. I mean, <laughs> very harsh sometimes. <laughs> Mark, you're on Tiger Talk. What's up, Mark? 
Hey, guys. Dan Love listen to you in the evenings out on the pontoon with a couple of pops. There, there you go. That's what I better. like to hear about. Where, where are people listening? Out of the boat. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a good place to listen. <laughs> so you had asked about an X-Factor earlier. I think it's Riley Green's health. Like, he makes that offense go. I'm afraid he's going to get the oft-injured tag uh, label. But my real question, and the minor league system could be better, which leads me to my question. The, I realize that Erod had all the leverage in his contract, but the inability of being able to trade him to the Dodgers and pick off a couple of prospects like Andy Pages or Emmett Sheehan or Johnny DeLuca or a combination of those guys, how much did that impact the trajectory of the team going forward? I feel like it's a bigger deal than it may be talked about. I think that, I mean, talking with Scott Harris after the non-trade, I think he did not do anything wrong. Those who say he didn't have a backup plan are missing the point. This is a hard contract to trade because he could opt out. He made the best deal he thought. He thought he had a deal. And while he won't say it, I mean, it's pretty clear that Eduardo Rodriguez's agent came back at the last minute and threw a little wrinkle into it, and the Dodgers balked. They wanted one more year at whatever it was, and that kind of that threw sand in the gears. But it was a very hard contract to trade. He had the deal basically done. There was not a whole lot of other interest, I don't believe, for Eduardo Rodriguez because of that tricky contract. So the, to say that he didn't have a backup plan is to... Uh, vastly underestimate the talents of Scott Harris. And I mean that. I mean, he did everything he could to get the deal done. And then the last moment, I do believe there was just a wrinkle thrown in that uh, nobody anticipated. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I heard it all at that time. And uh, I came out in this kind of vehement way. And I'll say it again, uh, with all due respect, Mark, and I mean this sincerely, uh, that I think some of that's been shaped by different pundits who made some statements, maybe here on the air, who didn't understand the basic dynamic of what was happening and how that happened. First of all, what prospects you get weren't going to necessarily be transitional uh, prospects that were going to be big time guys that were going to change. You know, you were going to get a Juan Soto before he became a Juan Soto, or some of the things that people said uh, for Erod. Erod had 42 starts with the Tigers over two years, 42, and uh, you know he he wasn't like you know he was the best lefty in baseball and all this stuff. He's a good, solid third starter on a contending team. He's not a number one. All right, he got hot early last year, but after he got injured and came back, he wasn't nearly as effective. He was more like he's been throughout his career. And the other part about Erod is Erod and his agent or whatever they're not interested in your team. They're not. They're, they're interested in themselves because he, he, he sat out like two months the previous year, which was a big reason that the general manager previously got fired. And then the new general manager comes in and he's under heat for one thing and one thing only is what you're talking about. And then they had a deal done and they dropped the ball at the last second. And, you know, I, I've Scott, Scott Harris not saying anything about it or it was his right and everything. That, to me, was a lot of poise. But, man, I, I got ticked off about it because he cost two teams. The Tigers and the Dodgers had no pitching in the postseason. Yep. 
And you know why they beat the Diamondbacks? Yeah. Because they had no pit. They didn't have, you know, a Bueller. They Clayton Kershaw right. was dry. Urias got thrown off the league, suspended. All their starters were gone. They were relying on Lance Lynn throwing home run balls in there. <laughs> All right, and Arizona. Right. And then you know who the guy signs with? Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> so, you know, my, my view on Erod, and he seemed like a nice enough guy and all that yeah. stuff, was like, hey, man, you know, good for you. But not good for everybody else you've touched since you left Boston. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, he screwed over two organizations. He made two general managers of note look like idiots. Did the Tigers pay him while he was out for that? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. But in the meantime, a team that was expected to contend, you know, and after they went out and they got free agent guys, you know, like uh, Baez, who struggled, uh, you know, Chafin, who was useless on a team like that. He's, he, this year he'll have value. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, uh, Meadows, who they traded for, uh, Austin Meadows, and struggled. But, you know, I mean, he was the one guy that was, you know, could have really helped him. And he's not pitching for two months. So, you know, I mean, you know, and the general manager who did that, he got fired. So the general manager who got him in Detroit, he got fired because he didn't pitch partly for that reason. The general manager that replaced him came under fire like he looked like the village idiot, and he's anything but. And then the general manager in L.A. looked like, hey, where'd you get pitching at the trade deadline? Your team gets beat by 84-win Arizona team. So that's E-Rod to me. Yeah, Mark, you, Mark, you wound him up, Mark. Yeah, I did, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I don't, you know, Erod to me was like, hey, you know what? You know, you know who? I wouldn't depend on the guy. He, he was undependable. He was a good pitcher. You know, he's got the nice touch on the change and smooth, and he, you know, he gets out there. But you know, he could have been pitching in the friggin' World Series, and you know, it's like, well, if he had to move out to the West Coast. Dude, West Coast is a fine place to live, if you, especially if you've got a ton of money. <laughs> and that ballpark? And they, oh, gosh, man. That's pitcher's haven. You know, instead he's, he's in Detroit pitching in a bunch of games that, you know, are like we're a younger team that, you know, it may help them get, instead of having 76 wins, they had 78. Then he signs with Arizona, the team that benefited <laughs> the most from his hijinks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I'm anyway, enjoying watching you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> coming up next, we got uh, Pistons Weekly. You want to stick around for Pistons Weekly, Dan? I'll listen on my way home. How's okay, that? There you you go. want me to call in? <laughs> yeah, you want to. <laughs> we got Pistons Weekly next, and then uh, Inside Hockey Town coming up at 9, and me at 10. And I always enjoy it, Dan. It's great, man. All right, we'll talk to you Sorry, next week. Sorry, I didn't week. mean to. Yeah, I got up on my soapbox. That's all right. He, he lit the fuse. Not a big fan of E-Rods. <laughs> 97 won the ticket.